0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing each of us back here today. Um, I ask that as we go through this material that you would be here with us, that you would um, give me the right words to say and help me to present clearly. And then be with each of us as we go from here and help us to just learn more about you and enjoy our fellowship with friends and family. We love you. Amen. All right. So of all my presentations, I, I struggled to write this one the most, um, which is funny because I am a teacher. Um, there's just a lot of things that I wanted to say, and I wasn't sure how to condense it and make it short and sweet and to the point. So hopefully we do okay with that. I think you were all here yesterday, um, and you heard my introduction. My son Noah is here again this morning. Um, My other son Gavin is in a class, and my husband will be joining me later this week to do the classes about um, outdoor adventures and the, um, I called it country living, but talking about kind of farming and gardening and a country lifestyle with your children. Um, I guess the important thing for today is, again, I have a bachelor's in elementary education from Southern Adventist University, and then I spent several years teaching first through fourth grade, and then fifth through eighth grade, as well as high school. Um, it was a junior academy, so through tenth grade, and I taught the high school English and science classes, whatever that year was. So it would be biology or earth science. Um... But now I stay home with my kids and I work with the Adventist Agriculture Association writing a gardening curriculum for our Adventist schools. Um, So today, what we're going to focus on, the question that we want all of the things we're talking about to answer, is what is my goal as a parent? And specifically talking about your goal for educating your children. And then how can I be intentional about creating a home environment that supports my child's growth? Um, So to get started, how many of you are gardeners? Anybody? All right. (laughs) That counts. Um, So the analogy that I want to use this morning as we're getting started has to do with flowers. So that's perfect. I bought a rose bush a year, two years ago when we we just built a new house, um, and I I wanted a climbing red rose outside my front door, because my front door is red. Um, So I don't know how much any of you know about rose bushes, but climbing roses specifically, they have to be trellised and pruned carefully in order to grow up that trellis correctly and healthy, and to be healthy. Uh, if you wait too long to wrap that climbing rose around the trellis, the branches get hard like sticks. And when you try to tuck them around the trellis, the branches snap off. And so it's very important that you are frequently checking on your plant and taking the small branches because they are still able to be bent and wrapping them around that trellis. Um, and so that's something to think about. It's like raising our children. It's a lot easier to make those corrections and to help guide our children when they're younger. That doesn't mean that with teenagers you can't, you can't make changes. You absolutely can. It just takes a lot more patience, um, and it's harder. And so when we start younger with our children and we start carefully moving branches and carefully pruning um, it makes life a lot easier and simpler for everyone. Now, obviously, the analogy only goes so far, um, but that's kind of what I wanted to get started with today is to think about our children like that rose bush. So we're, we're trying to frequently, gently, carefully guide them up a trellis um, to help them grow into adults that are independent and can support themselves. Okay, so why it matters. I, if you were here yesterday, you know I used some of these scriptures and quotes yesterday as well. But I think that they apply today. Um, starting with Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the other one from yesterday is, More than any natural endowment, the, na- the habits established in these early years decide whether a man will be victorious or vanquished in the battle of life. And I think that that's super important to remember, is that the tools that we give our children while they're in our homes are the things that are going to help them be successful in life. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17 says, So then, be careful how you live. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because times are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is what we want to teach our children, but this is what we also want to be doing in our own lives, being careful how we live. Um, I also wanted to share this quote um, because I think talking to moms more specifically, um, I think, well, let's read the quote first. It says, The king upon his throne has no higher work than has the mother. The mother is the queen of her household. She has in her power the molding of her children's characters, that they may be fitted for higher, immortal life. An angel could not ask for a higher mission, for in doing this work she is doing the service for God. Let her, let her only realize the high character of her task, and it will inspire her with courage. Let her realize the worth of her work and put on the whole armor of God, that she may resist the temptation to conform to the world's standard. Her work is for time and eternity, and that's Ellen White from Adventist Home, page 231. Um, I just want to to stress and remind the mothers in here that we do have a very high calling as mothers and and as parents, Um, but as moms, I think it's super easy to forget when you're doing the 500th load of laundry for a week and none of your children have socks, or when you are washing a sink full of dishes for the fifth time today, even though we've only had three meals, or we're cooking again, I don't know why we decided we need three meals a day anyways, but the kids are still always hungry, <laughs> right? But but our, that work is important, even though it doesn't feel like it. And so I think reminders like this one, are uh, are important to me to remember that, That those things do matter too. Um, So that's where I wanted to start. Our overview, finally. Uh, What we're going to talk about today, what is the goal and purpose of our education for our children? Um, Home management, organization, and time. That may not seem like it's related to education, but really what I'm trying to get at is throughout the whole school year and the scope of the education of our children. And these things Believe it or not, impact that a lot. We're going to talk about intentional family schedules, creating lifelong learners, and learning styles. Like I said, there's a lot today. (laughs) Um, So let's just get started. First, I have from Ellen White, education, uh, page 13. She says, our ideas of education take too narrow and too low a range. There is need of a broader scope, a higher aim. True education means more than the pursual of a certain course of study. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. It has to do with the whole being and with the whole period of existence possible to man. It is the harmonious development of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for joy of service in this world and the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. So, this quote has to do with the whole being. We're talking about physical, mental, and spiritual health. Uh, Ellen White also says that we're not just training our children for their lives here on earth, but we're also training them to be of service in the world to come. And if that doesn't make you think carefully about the things that we're teaching our children, the things that we're teaching them through example, and that we're deliberately telling them, um, I'm not sure what's going to convince you. But today, I want to look at some ideas on how we take a broader view of education and focus on creating a strong family culture and a stable home life, even when your home is chaotic, because I know mine is often. <laughs> um, so first I want to start with or get into Proverbs chapter 24 verses 3 and 4. It says through wisdom a house is built and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So, um, the, that verse leads me into James 1.5, which says, If any of us lack wisdom, we should ask God, who gives to all generously without finding fault. So we know that we need wisdom in order to build a house, to establish it, and to fill it with these wonderful things. We also know that God gives us wisdom. So with all of this in mind, I want you to think about where we're going. What is the end product that we want for our children? How do we want them to turn out? What kind of adults do we want them to be? And so you guys picked up a pretty piece of paper as you walked in. Now, that fun paper, that's actually a teaching method that I wanted to share with you as well. If you have children who don't want to write or don't want to read, finding small, simple things that you can do to make it more fun, like giving them fun paper or fun new notebooks, they're little, but they help. Um, and so I brought fun paper for you. And we're going to spend a few minutes just answering these questions independently. But we're talking about what, on your paper, I want you to just journal for a few minutes, what are the characteristics that I want my home and my children, or child, to have? What qualities do I want to fill the rooms of my home with? What do I want my family culture to look like? We're going to talk more about a family culture, but I'm talking about what are things that make your family special, things that make your family unique? What are my priorities for educating my children, and what kind of people... Do I want my children to be? We're just going to take about five minutes. I want you to think about these questions and write down a few things. Positive things. No, you're not. I'm not even going to check them. You could sit there and do nothing if you wanted to. But I think that these kind of exercises, this is a very personal thing, but we're, trying, we're setting positive goals for our family, things that we want our family to look like, not necessarily things that maybe it looks like right now. This is something that I like to do periodically just because it helps me refocus. Um, and I think that a lot of us as parents, we know what we should be doing, um, but we we tend to lose focus. And so we're really going to talk about that a lot today. Um, I'm actually going to skip these two slides and come back to them. I want to talk about this. Uh Benjamin Franklin says, failing to plan is planning to fail. And Ellen White in Education, page 262, says success in life demands a definite aim. Um, I have this somewhere in my notes, and I'm off my notes, so this may get lost. Um, how many of you have ever heard of or read the book, well, I'm blanking on the title, <laughs> The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families, or maybe it's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Parents by Stephen Kobe. In the introduction or in the first few chapters, he gives the illustration of a pilot. And when a pilot is taking off to travel somewhere, they know exactly where it is they're trying to go. And they also have a very specific flight plan that is registered. Um, So then when they get up into the air, all kinds of things happen. There's all kinds of winds and drafts, and the planes often get pulled way off track here and there. And the reason that a pilot is able to make it to their final destination is because they have a plan. And even when they get blown off course, they know how to direct to get back onto their plan. Another analogy that I've heard is it's like laying a train track. Um, and you lay down the rails for your family so that no matter how chaotic things become, you still have something established. You have a definite goal, an aim of where you're trying to get, and you have set up systems or um, you have plans to keep your family on track. Um, I don't know, some of us, maybe not me, are the very organized, efficient people who have a schedule. And at seven o'clock, our family eats breakfast. And at seven 30 we're out the door. Or if you're homeschooling, at 8 o'clock we start school and we do school from 8 to 10. That's not what my family looks like. Um, It's just not been something that I am good at doing. If that works for you, that's amazing, and I wish I could be more like that, but I'm not. And I think probably a lot of us are that way, where it's really hard for us to get into a specific schedule. But if we lay out our rails, our things throughout our years, in our months, and our weeks, and then even our days that help guide us and keep us back on track, even when things get chaotic, it helps us with our planning. And so this is, this is apl- applicable to education, very applicable to education, because especially during the school year, families' lives get chaotic. Parents are involved with adventurers, or pathfinders, or church positions, and work, and keeping the home running, and our kids are involved in sports maybe, or church activities, or piano lessons, or all all of the above. And it's easy to just be so busy running from one thing to the next that we're not taking time to be intentional about character building, and about helping train the whole person. Um, so now I'm going to go back to these slides I skipped. And I just want to talk for a minute. How many of you have seen this pyramid? Yeah, this is a very um, basic pyramid. It's, this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you've taken any kind of psychology class, you've probably heard of this and learned about it. Um, but basically, what he proposed is that there are certain things that are required in order for a person to meet self actualization which means that in order for them to reach their full potential and to be the best person that they can be, they have to have all of these needs met. And so as, our, as parents, this is one of our jobs, is to help to do our best to fulfill those needs. So at the base of this pyramid, we see their psychological me- needs. This means, are they getting enough food to eat? Is it nutritious food? Uh, do they have a safe, comfortable, warm place to sleep? Are they getting enough sleep? Sleep is huge. If your children are not getting enough sleep, work on that. It matters. (laughs) Um, The next thing is safety. If our children are worried about finances in the home, or maybe if they're worried about the relationship between mom and dad, they're not going to operate as well as they could. Children need to feel loved and accepted, and they need esteem. They need to understand where their value comes from. And I think our culture relies heavily on self-esteem. And I don't personally believe that that's what we want to teach our children. We don't want to teach our children because they're special and amazing because of who they are, but because of who God is and who he created them to be. Um, But as parents, we want to help our children meet all of these needs so that they can fulfill the purpose that God has for them. And obviously, sometimes it's not possible because of the homes that we live in and because of the world that we live in. It's not possible for all of these things to be met maybe as well as they could have been. And we don't want to forget that God's grace covers these things. But as parents, we do want to do everything that we can to make sure that these needs are being met for our children. And this is going to help them in all aspects of education, because a child who, whose physical and safety and love needs are being met is going to, is going to learn uh, more efficiently, more effectively. So laying down the rails, we talked about this already. Okay. So now how, this is how I plan for my school year. Um, I homeschool. I don't know how many of you. My kids are also young, so five and three. Um, and if I had to explain my homeschool method, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with homeschooling methods. I would say we do a very structured unschooling. So I basically print off the NAD or the state standards for the year for my child, so my my youngest or my oldest is in kindergarten, so I printed off the state standards for kindergarten, and as we play and as we f- study the things that he's interested in, I have the standards printed off, and I am helping guide the discussions that we're having and the activities we're doing to meet those standards and check them off um, so as I'm planning for my school year though or For our summer. I don't plan summers as much. This is the framework that I'm using, Um, and I think that this applies to everybody, whether you're homeschooling or not, Um, is first we prioritize. We start by evaluating what our priorities are as a family, and remember that this looks different for different people, and this looks different depending on what season you are in life. Then we're going to plan. This is where you're giving yourself guardrails, you're making a plan to follow and allowing for flexibility. Then we implement, we go through with our plan, and we adjust. Seasons change, life happens, plans work, and then they don't work. You, uh, Especially when you have really young children. You figure out a routine that works, and for two weeks it's beautiful, and then something changes, and it doesn't work anymore. And that's okay. We just adjust and we go through the cycle again. We make a plan, we go through with it, and we adjust. And this is just a constant, it's a dynamic thing that we do throughout throughout life. So as for time, this is one that I struggle with the most and probably all of us do because we like to get involved in so many things, um, and even if they're good things. And somebody... I I don't have a um, credit for this quote. It It was a church member and a friend of mine that said this to me one time because I was overdoing it and I was getting very stressed about all of the things that I had to do and they were all good things. But I think it's important to remember that just because there's a need doesn't mean that it's your purpose and your call to fulfill it. If you... Are so busy and so stressed that you're not able to do all of the things that you think you're supposed to be doing. You're doing too much. And that was a very, it's still a very, very hard thing for me to accept. But, but this friend told me each one of us is given enough time to fulfill our purpose. And if we're not doing the things we think we know that we're supposed to be doing, we need to take a hard look what the things we're doing, what things are we doing that are not part of our purpose. And this is a huge thing for our children. Because if mom or dad are so busy doing things outside of the home that they're not focusing on their children, we have a problem. And if our children are doing so many extracurricular activities that they're not spending time with us, their parents, who are supposed to be their their biggest teachers, we also have a problem. So we're going to talk about time management a little more. Uh, Well, home management, organization, and time. This is a huge one for me. And I put this picture because I feel like that sometimes. (laughs) Just shove it all in and close the cover. No one will know, right? (laughs) Um, This is something that I've researched a lot because it matters to me and, and it's important to me. But there is research to show that too much stuff And clutter creates an increase in cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So this applies in our homes. If we have too much junk sitting around our houses that it can't be cleaned because there's nowhere to put things, we have a problem. If our children's desks and backpacks and school areas are so cluttered with broken crayons and old craft projects and... Um, toilet paper rolls and pipe cleaners and all of the above. We, we have a problem because too much stuff, even if we think it doesn't make a difference, it makes it hard for us to focus and to learn. Um, so, I really like, there's a, there's a YouTuber called the Minimal Mom. I am by no means a minimalist. I wish I could be. I love how neat and clean and simple everything looks, but I'm not. But the Minimal Mom on YouTube has some great videos about decluttering and organization that have been very helpful for my family. Um, cleaning and home management tasks can be planned into your day, and they can serve as educational opportunities. Teach your kids how to do things. They can do a lot more than you think. And I am very guilty of this. My five-year-old can load the dishwasher. It just takes him twice as long, and sometimes I forget, oh, he knows how to do it, and so I spend time doing it instead of letting him load the dishwasher while I do something else, and then we're all done at the same time. Um, so make a plan. We always, before dinner, we clean up. So that means all the toys, we have a very small house. We live in a, I mean, it's not small. We live in a 1,000 square feet, and there's four of us and a dog. So it's by no means a tiny home, but it's not big. Um... And it gets messy quite quickly because I have two young children and half a day of toys being hauled out. So before dinner, we always do a quick cleanup and all the toys are put away because after dinner, it's showers, it's worship, it's family story time, it's bedtime. So we have that routine loosely. Um, so, But plan, plan the management tasks into your day and let your kids help. Manage your time. More activities is not always better. we talked about that already. And then learn to let it go. You don't want to, you know, always leave the dishes or always leave the laundry on the couch. But sometimes, you know, it's okay to go to bed with a few dishes in the sink. (laughs) It looks better in the morning. It's easier in the morning, at least for me. All right. Now I want to talk about family rituals or traditions These are things that we do as a family that help give us a strong family culture. Guys, building a strong culture as a family is super important. This is what is going to keep your family connected as your kids grow up as they're in middle school and high school and going off into college. So here I'm talking about annual family traditions. So some of the things that our family does is at Christmas we go cut a Christmas tree down somewhere. Um, It used to be in our backyard, but we've started going to a farm because we don't want to cut down all of our nice pine trees in our backyard. So we go to a farm and do it, and it's great. The kids love it. They always pick out the scrappiest looking tree, and that's okay. Um, they, they have their own small garden plot, and they love that. They love to pick the seeds for their for their gardens and the flowers for their gardens. My family does maple syrup, and um, that's another thing that we do as a family. So we go collect sap buckets, and my five-year-old drives the four-wheeler with the trailer while mom and dad are picking up buckets and putting them in the trailer. And they think it's so cool because they get to do things, and then they love to eat the sap as it's as it's being cooked. Um, they For birthday, we do birthday traditions. They get to choose what we eat for the whole day. Sometimes it's quite exciting. Although my three-year-old chose oatmeal for breakfast on his birthday. <laughs> and I try to decorate the house um, for them in the mornings. That was something my mom did for us as kids. We always woke up to a happy birthday sign and balloons and our door was decorated. And like I loved it, and I do that for my kids now. Because it's things like that that create family bonds and connections and give them happy memories. My family also camps a lot. We're going to talk about that. Thursday and Friday, backpacking, kayaking, like outdoor adventures. That's our family culture. We do things outdoors together. I don't know what it is for your family. Maybe you're not an outdoor family. Maybe your cultures and your traditions are, I don't know, art museums, um, Legos. I don't know. But, but find those things that your family enjoys to do together and, and do them, and do them regularly, and make it a habit. Now, weekly family traditions, rituals, and routines. Here's our guardrails, guys. These are the things that we're doing that keep us on track. My family does cinnamon rolls every Sabbath morning. And sometimes that means, because I make them from scratch, that I'm up late making cinnamon rolls. But my kids look forward to that, and we didn't have cinnamon rolls last Sabbath, and it did not go over very well. Uh, Because it's something that makes it special, and they remember it, and they look forward to it. Um, maybe it's Sabbath activities. You go for afternoon hikes. Uh, this is what we do. We often, we go to church and then we have lunch with friends or family. Um, and then we go for a hike or we go kayaking. And then in the evening, we come home and we make popcorn and peaches for dinner. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common one. And then we watch a documentary. My boys love planet Earth and Blue Planet and all of those nature documentaries. Um, and I don't let them watch TV. So when we sit down to watch it on Sabbath evening, it's very special, and they love it. Um, Family worship is a daily routine. It's part of the things that we do every day, and they expect it. They know it's coming. Um, Our weekly activities, we have one day a week. We live an hour from town, so we have one day a week that we go to. It's a very full day, and it's not my favorite day, (laughs) but (laughs) we do Piano lessons and grocery shopping and our library day and adventurers all in one day. And we all get home tired and grumpy, but then we're home for most of the rest of the week. So it works. And they know Tuesdays is the day that we are in town all day long. Um, family fun day. This is something that our family has had to be very intentional about because my husband works full time. I work part time from home and we run a farm. And so we tend to fall into the habit of work, 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 work. Um, And so we've started, especially in the summers when farm is really busy, just planning at the beginning of the summer at least one day every month where it doesn't matter if things need to be harvested or not, we leave. And we we go to Mackinac Island because we only live an hour away, and the kids love it. Or we go somewhere else, but we spend a whole day away from the farm so that nobody's tempted to work on things they shouldn't, and we play. Oh, and I said this one already. Nature documentary, popcorn and peaches. That's another weekly routine we talked about already. But it's being intentional. Schedule those times. I literally take out my calendar at the beginning of a summer or at the beginning of every month, and I look at the schedule and I plan our family time into that. And if you're not planning your family time into your schedule, as one of the first things you're planning, it's easy for it to get missed and forgotten about. And as we're talking about education and creating lifelong learners, these are the things that are important as parents, is, is planning these things that could build our family culture. So now, yeah, 20 minutes left. Okay, we're getting more heavily now into the education aspect and creating lifelong learners because i think that that's our goal as parents right we want to create children who even if they're not doing the best in school they know how to learn because that is the important thing and and that doesn't fall on the the teachers guys that falls on the parents the parents need to do what they can to encourage our children to be lifelong learners so what is a lifelong learner A lifelong learner is someone who knows the things that they are interested in, not the things the parents are interested in, the things that they are interested in. They know how they learn best. They know about learning styles and what works for them. We'll talk about that in a minute. They know how to set goals. And that's what I've been talking about all day today is setting goals for your family and creating a plan for how to meet those goals. And this is what we need to be doing as parents, and then what we need to teach our children how to do. A lifelong learner has good reading habits. They know how to find resources. They know how to get involved. And they know how to share their knowledge and skills. And so, for me, I am, again, I'm homeschooling my children, but my goal is to teach them to be a lifelong learner. And I talked to you a little bit about how I homeschool. Um, but what I want to do, what I do with my kids is we follow the things that they're interested in. So my five-year-old can go out into my yard and he can identify more than half of the plants in the yard, like the weeds growing wild. And if you ever come to visit, he will probably take you into the woods and say, here, eat this, eat this. And most of the time he's right. <laughs> but um he loves that kind of stuff. He knows most of the birds that are in our area. He loves rainforests. So we've done a mini-unit on rainforests. When he was very interested in rainforests, I went online, and there's tons of bundles um, for any kind of topic for homeschooling. We printed it off, and he can't read much yet, so we did a lot of it together. But we studied rainforests, and... um So he loves that kind of stuff. When we, when he asks me questions, because he asks about five million a day, if I tell him I don't know the answer to something, he says, well, Mom, look it up. And so we have to go look it up together. Uh, He's curious about the world around him, and he has some really good ideas already at five how to find answers for the questions he has. Another thing that he's super interested in is Legos. So we go to the library a lot. I ordered him some books on Legos. Um, And that wasn't enough for him. We read all of those books lots of times. And when we went back to the library, he decided mom didn't know how to find them all and went and asked the librarian where all the Lego books were. So he spent, I was amazed at this librarian, he spent 20 minutes with her looking through their catalog, finding every book that the library had on Legos, and they all came home with us. But those are the kinds of things that help teach our children to be lifelong learners. He wanted to know more about something, and he didn't even just stop with asking mom. He went to a librarian, which is a phenomenal tool for anyone, and asked them where to find more information. And so this is one of the kinds of things that we want to encourage our children to be doing. So if you don't have a library card, go get one. <laughs> They're amazing. And the most of your librarians are also amazing and super willing to help your children. Um, So, tips for creating lifelong learners. Number one, encourage curiosity and learning ownership. That's what we just talked about. That's what my son was doing. Um, Turn mistakes into opportunities. Stash a few go-to learning tools. So, what that means is, like, we study a lot of nature. So, I have binoculars and magnifying glasses, and they have notebooks. And so, your go-to learning tools are things that your kids are using to help them to study and learn. Let them take the teaching reins. Let them teach you something. Let them teach a class at Adventurers or Pathfinders. Let them learn something and then share it with other people. Find time to play. Our kids are not playing enough. There's been a lot of research about how beneficial unstructured free play is for children, and American children do not have it, especially time outdoors. I don't have a source for you, but somebody recently told me our prisoners spend more time outside than our children do. And that's a problem. Um, and we're gonna talk a lot about outdoors because that's something that's very important to me. Tomorrow and Thursday are both very much outdoor education. Um, and then set learning goals. We want our children to know how to set learning goals. We're setting them for our. We're setting goals for ourselves. We're setting goals for our children and we're teaching our children to set goals for themselves. And the thing is, most children don't necessarily do these things naturally. This is thing, these are things that we need to teach them. This is our job as educators to teach our children to be lifelong learners and how to do that. Okay, so. Again, like I said, I tried to fit a lot into today. Um, but part of, I think, being a lifelong learner is making learning interesting and making it fun. And I'm sorry that this is so small. I thought it would be a little bigger. Is it, can you read, can you read it? Okay. Um, so this chart is about learning styles. And if you go home and you want to learn about it, you can do just a quick Google search, learning styles, and you'll find a ton of information. But basically, you guys have probably heard auditory, visual, and kinesthetic learners, right? So auditory learners are people who learn by hearing. Visual learners are people who learn by seeing. Kinesthetic learners are people who learn by moving. There's also verbal, verbal learners. Those are your children who repeat things back to you or who like to talk all the time. Often, they learn by speaking um logical and mathematical is is learning is easier for people who can use logic and reasoning systems and sequences social learners are people who learn better in groups versus solitary learners people who learn better by themselves most people are not just one of these things most people have a little bit of lots of these things but we all probably have something that we're not so for example I am not an audio learner. Uh, I I always joke that there's a gap between my ears and my head. It takes me a few minutes to process what somebody is saying. And so I learned that very early on. I knew that was my learning style. And even in seventh and eighth grade, I was the one student writing everything down that the teacher said furiously because I I knew that just hearing it wasn't going to be enough for me. I needed that. Kinesthetic, the writing, and then the visual of seeing it. And then often, I never used my notes, I never even looked at them again. But by writing it down was how I learned it and how I processed it. And that knowing, that knowledge of how I learned and what I needed to do to help myself learn is what put me, was able to put me through all of school successfully. And so if we want our children to be able to become lifelong learners and to do well to the best of their ability in school it's helpful for us to find out one what our learning style is um, because sometimes if you have conflict with your students over learning something with your children over learning something it's a conflict in learning styles and so if i learn visually i'm naturally going to try and draw a picture or write words for to explain everything but if I'm working with somebody who can't learn or who does not learn well visually and they need to, and they're kinesthetic, they're going to struggle. Or another place that I see this played out a lot is, I think, I think several of you work with adventurers. Um, you know it can be pretty chaotic in there, right? <laughs> when you have a bunch of, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds in a room and you're trying to tell a story and no one's sitting still. But often, not always, often they are still listening and they are still learning. And I have been amazed time and time again when I think nobody's paying attention because nobody's looking at me and nobody's sitting still, how much they actually were getting from what we're saying. Now obviously we don't want to teach our children that it's okay to run around and be all over the place while someone's talking, but we need to recognize when our children are kinesthetic learners and when they need to be moving in order to help them learn. And so things that you can do to help kinesthetic learners, some uh, some schools, some teachers have used exercise balls and the students sit on them. I use one at my desk um, at home and I did when I was teaching too. I sit on an exercise ball because it helps your just just the balance of sitting up on the exercise ball was enough movement to help me just focus. Um, I had students who we would tie those like resistant bands um, to their around their chairs so they could bounce their feet on it while they were working, so that they're getting in some movement while they're sitting and focusing. Um, obviously, there were behavioral things that had to be addressed before they started using it. Like my students knew if they misused their tools, they lost them. Um, but those can be great things. So if you're having a hard time with your child, is having if your child is having a hard time focusing, knitting or crocheting or sitting on an exercise ball, or they actually make now these little like things that you can put in a seat that has the top of an exercise ball that they can sit on in a normal chair. But it gives the same, um, it's still building their core strength and working on their balance and gives them just enough to help them focus. Um, so as far as helping your children and you be successful learners and create lifelong learners, learning what your child's learning style is and helping them learn how to, because you're not always going to find teachers or professors or people who teach according to your learning style, helping them learn how to adapt and fix something and make it work for them. Um So I know I was all over the map, but I tried to hit on the most important things uh, in a short amount of time. Um, But my summary today, we started with, have the men and women you want your children to be in mind as you are going throughout your daily lives. So that was way back at the beginning of class. We wrote down just a few things, and I just encourage you to do that regularly. Set up a plan and just be intentional. You don't have to write it. But stop and think for a few minutes about who you're trying to teach your children to be um, so that it doesn't get lost in the day-to-day life. Set your anchors, your rituals, your family traditions. What are the things that make your family special? Figure out what they are and make them a priority. Eliminate the extra noise, clutter, too many extracurricular activities, whatever the extra stuff is in your life that needs to go. Figure out what it is. and and push it out and then focus on creating lifelong learners and learn your child's learning style and help them learn how to use it Um, so what is my goal as a parent and how can I be intentional about creating a home environment that supports my child's growth what rails am I laying down and then these are just some extra resources that I found helpful I talked about the minimal mom on YouTube. Um, the call, there's a book called The Call of the Wild and Free. It's mostly geared for homeschoolers. If you're a homeschooler, I would recommend this book. Um, she talks a lot about different homeschooling methods and I just found it helpful. Um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. There it is. A Thousand Hours Outside. I'll talk about that more tomorrow. This is exciting. This is cool. We do this. I don't keep track anymore because it, it was one of the noise. <laughs> um, but I love this movement, and I'll explain it more later. Homeschool planning sheet. If you go to the littlesandme.com, there's a planning sheet. I made something similar that you guys probably got as you came in. Um, this is just This is what I do fill out at the beginning of my school year. I have a binder with my standards and my plans, and I just fill this out. It takes five or ten minutes, but it helps me when I'm struggling come back to this is what is important. This is what my goals are. This is where we're going. Um, but that thelittlesinme.com is a good resource for that. And then if you're homeschooling, also make sure that you know your homeschool laws. So I threw that up here, homeschool laws by state. Michigan's a pretty easy one um, to homeschool in, but you do want to make sure that you're following those requirements. So that's all I have for today. Any questions? I know that was a lot. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so for those of you who can't hear what, what she just shared, was um, when she's really intentional about praying that her husband really steps up to be the spiritual leader, she notices that it always happens, that her husband always is more intentional about um, having family worship, and that that is a huge burden off of her because her husband steps in and takes over that part um, and I think that's a really important thing that I should have mentioned too is, is to constantly be praying and trusting God because we are in over our heads <laughs> and we can't do it well without God helping us and holding us up. So thank you. Any other questions? All right. Tomorrow we're going to talk about nature. Um, and ways to get your kids outside into nature, even if they don't want to, um, and some really, some good ways to help your children connect nature, God's second book or first book, as some people say, but to help them learn about God through the things that he has made and through creation. So um, we're going to pray, and then it's a little bit, almost over, 10.32. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for the people that you have brought here to this class. Um, I just ask that you would go with each of us as we go from here. Help us to learn things that we can apply to our lives um, to serve you more. We love you. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org/audio twenty two or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.